Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now it's time for the B-A-Q-A, the B-A-Q-A, the B-A-Q-A. I would love if somebody made us a B-A-Q-A theme song. I'm going to reach out to like Chris um, and his wife again because they made my budget needs to, um, um, what was it? Look at me, budget needs to break down theme song. Like, Yeah, it's so funny that you say that because I texted my little brother over the weekend uh, is a musician, you know, in his part-time oh, really? or whenever he feels like, yeah, you know, he used to go by rain in college, but he's dropped that moniker and now he's just whatever he is. <laughs> and he, and he's in Atlanta and I was like, there's gotta be some great, you know, yeah. musicians in Atlanta. So he's on the lookout. I kind of want him to do it, but he's acting like, I don't know, this is like jingle. I don't really do jingles. Oh, I'm come like, on rain. He's very, he, yeah. <laughs> he's so sensitive about his music. I shouldn't even be talking about it. I'll no, I'm sure it's amazing. Honestly. pissed at me. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's amazing. Honestly, that would be great to have a BAQA um, theme song. I mean, just a yeah. Ryan Bishop theme song in general would be awesome. Um, I mean, but hearing you sing it is never good. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. We have questions. If you have questions, we semi have answers that are not to be taken as professional answers. They're really supposed to be answers that, you know, you could take with a grain of salt and then reach it's out to funsies. your purse. Yeah. It's just for funsies. Yeah, exactly. AKA, AKA sue your grandma. Yeah, All right. Exactly. So first question. Ah! the first question bianca says hello ladies love your show thank you for giving out the wonderful advice you provide for free every week a few years ago i got into some serious debt and eventually used a financial debt services company to get it paid off all of the accounts were settled there were seven credit cards total my credit score dropped a bit low and now it's a 650 that's actually not bad sis I was wondering what might be the best way to increase my credit score. I now, um, I know now the mistakes I made before, so I'm not afraid to use credit, but I wasn't sure the best, what the best method would be. Hmm. So a few years ago. Bianca. I have a bunch of things, but what do you think, Mandra? Well, I thought maybe, because I know you talk about this a lot. So Mm -hmm. as far as settling accounts, that stays on your credit report as well. Does that take like seven years to fall off? It does. Yeah. So she's a few years in. So it's been there for a minute. Yeah. That was my first question because I'm just curious how all of that works. Well, for two years, it will, it'll be, things are most harmful or helpful within the first two years. So after two years, it doesn't mean that it's not there, but it doesn't play as big of a role on your score. Yeah. She says, I know now the mistakes I made before, so I'm not afraid to use credit, but I wasn't sure what the best method would be. Listen, learning from your mistakes is good because seven credit cards is a lot. Mm -hmm. And having to go through the stress of getting that 
you know, even if you're, you handled it, which is great. Like you took care of business, you know? Um, My first thought went to a secured credit card. Me too. Look yeah. here. Hey, because with a secured credit card, it's it's complete opposite of a regular credit card, which is unsecured, which means that you don't have to put up any money. Mm-hmm. They just give you an account. They give you a credit card with a with a with a limit, and you know they take your word that you won't um, that if you you know use the card that you'll pay it back. With a secured card, they require a deposit upfront, and you know you put that money. Um, let's say it's five hundred dollars or whatnot. You give it to the bank, and they hang on to it, and that is their collateral. And they basically issue you a quote unquote line of credit in that amount. Um, And then you can use that card to make a purchase here and there, and then you pay it back. And if at the end of your term, like what is it usually a year, Mm -hmm. right? They will return your deposit to you or they'll hang on to it if you didn't make your bills on time. (laughs) Um, But hopefully they return the deposit to you. And what what happens is uh, month to month, they will report that good behavior to the credit bureaus. So it can help you. It can help you rebuild. That's one idea. So another idea, because credit bureaus like to see like you have different types of debt that you've managed. So um, credit card debt is called revolving debt because it never really closes, just keeps revolving, right? So there's also, um, I just had it the tip of my tongue. It's revolving debt and then it's not, not stationary. No, revolving debt. Basically loans, but I forget the technical term for loans. Basically, it's it's debt that you pay um that you pay off. In oh, installment, installment loans. I was gonna yeah, say installment loans. Yes, for some reason I was thinking department. I don't know why department. I was like department <laughs> store. It's got um, the mint in it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Sidebar. When I text you to be like, Mandy, where are you? We're taping. It says Mandrake, and I meant to say Mandra, but for some reason my um my uh, autocorrect was like Mandrake. I was like, oh well. lord. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, that's just how my brain is working today. Installment loan. So an installment loan is basically any loan that like you pay off an installment. So think mortgage, think car note, think um, student loan debt, you know? So Mm -hmm. one way you can do an installment loan that is, um, I call it like the loan fake out, is um, they call the credit builder loan. So for example, Mm -hmm. if a company like like a self, they used to call themselves self-lender. Right. So, but also credit unions have these two. So if you're part of a credit union, they likely have a credit builder loan. But if you don't, self is a company um, that you might look into. So the way it works is you say, Hey, credit union or self or whatever, um, I want to do a credit builder loan. And they say, Okay, you choose the lowest amount. That's just my suggestion. And I know on self is $500, I think. I don't know what it is at credit unions, but let's just pretend it's 200 They let you borrow $200, um, but you're not actually going to get to 200 they're actually going to keep that 200 for you in a savings account or a money market account there. But still on the books, it looks like you borrowed it. And then over the course of a year, you're going to pay that money back each month. You know, so if it's $500, divide $500 by 12 months. And at the end, so one, it says, hey, um, uh, it's Bianca, right? Hey, yeah, yep. B- right, Bianca borrowed money. And she pays it back monthly on time. And at the end of the year, she paid it off in full. So you get these like these boosts of like she paid it off and she paid on time. And so, and then at the end of that year, you get your $200 back plus the little bit of interest it, it accrued, you know, because you remember you never actually got your money, but you paid it back. And so people sometimes use these credit builder loans also as for savings. So I remember I did this whole push where like, um, in November, like, hey, sign up for a credit builder loan in November if you're looking to raise your credit. So by this time next year, not only will you have your money in time for for um, the holidays, 
you know, like your lump sum back, but you'll also have a better credit score to go into the holidays with, which is great. And yeah. so, um, so that's another tool that you can use to raise your, um, your credit score, because like I said, credit reporting companies like to see that you have a variety of ways that you've borrowed. Um, and so revolving debt installment loans are, are two different ways. Um, here's a, yeah. like a trick that I will tell you how to, how to really boost up your, your, um, the, the credit card, the secured credit card that Mandy mentioned, put your lowest bill on it. So the gym membership that you know you don't use, um, Netflix, Netflix that you know you do use, <laughs> put the cheapest bill on it. And you're going to say, hey, Netflix, I want you to charge my secured card every month. And then you're going to say, hey, bank account, I want you to pay this card off every month. And that card, you're not using it for anything else. It's not to leave the house. It's not to leave the drawer. It just sits somewhere inside your drawer and gets paid off every month automatically. Because when you pay off a debt in full, Bianca, it's like the the credit score agencies do like a happy dance. Like, oh, go Bianca, go Bianca. <laughs> now, whether it's $5, 5500 5000 it's not so much the amount, it's the habit of paying off a debt in full that jumps your credit score. But you want to be mindful that you don't pay it off too early. So you're going to say, hey, credit card, what's my statement date? Like, what's the day that you actually tell the credit bureaus, Bianca, use the card? Because you want them to tell that you use the card so they can also tell that you paid it off. If you pay it off too soon, they never get a chance to say that you made, you know, you made a good choice. So you want to pay off the card after the statement date, but by the due date. People always get confused by that. So I know. After they make the it so date. hard on purpose. It's not I y'all's know. fault that this stuff seems difficult because mm-hmm. it is. They make it hard. It's like we're, the best way to get a good credit score is to like use the tools and know how they work. But then like, <laughs> I, I mean, know how they work, but never use them. And if you do use them, use them a specific way. Um, yeah, it is. It can be really overwhelming. But I'm telling you, if you do those three things, get yourself a secured card, paid off every month in full automatically, and mm-hmm. potentially get a credit builder loan, automate automate those payments as well, then you should see your credit score, which is actually not that bad. A seven, 650 is not terrible because 740 is the beginning of perfect credit. So you should, you know, you should, you know, see like some movement. Um, I can't tell you when because your credit score is like a GPA. So we'd have to know all your other grades, but just know that any A you get, which is paying off in full or paying in general, any A you get is going to offset any F you might have gotten previously. I love that GPA analogy. I steal it from you all the time. I give you credit though. I give you credit. (laughs) It's fine. Absolutely. And just let time do the rest because you're a few years away from having those settlements fall off your account, which sounds like a long, long time, but hopefully it'll go by quickly. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, Miss Bianca, thank you for your question. Let me move on to this this doozy of a question from listener Jennifer Colin or Colin in. 
emailing <laughs> us from the Bay Area in San Fran. So she and her hubby are thinking about buying a house. I think this question is good. So I've highlighted the essentials. Let me let me get into it because Jennifer was uh she was very detailed. I'll leave it at that. All right, Jennifer says, I love, love, love brown ambition. Not only the good advice and thoughts, but you're both just a lot of fun and inspiring to listen to each week. Thank you, Jennifer. All righty. She says, my husband and I are in our late 30s. We live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and we're currently saving for our first home as our next big goal. Our household income has jumped from about 150 a year to 365 a year almost two years ago. And we are making a sizable but late push for retirement and college savings for our two children. Right now, we have about $230,000 earmarked for a down payment, and that doesn't include our emergency fund. Okay, pause for the snaps. Mm -hmm. Very impressive. But here's the problem. We live in a very wealthy area of Silicon Valley, where even for a teardown home, we're looking at under $2 million for that teardown home. (laughs) Unless my husband's startup gets acquired, which is a real possibility, we'll have to move to a more affordable area to buy a house. But as I approach 40, I really want that house, in all caps. Growing up in a black household, home ownership was a big symbol of security and prosperity, and I'm disappointed that I have not achieved this milestone yet. I have this crazy idea that we should buy a house in the East Bay area and purchase a cute bungalow for $1.2 million. We could rent it out or just keep it until we're ready to make our next move. I'm nervous that home prices will go up and up and up and may become out of our reach. All caps again. Am I cray cray? Would you go (laughs) for it and start looking or just wait to see what life looks like in two to three years? Jennifer. Oh, Jenny from the block. Isn't it a damn shame that you can have all this money and still feel like you're behind? That's (laughs) crazy. This country is crazy. It is crazy. Uh, Yeah. Well. This is really, uh, I'm full of emotions, Jenny, because don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. I'm still, I'm still Jenny from the block. I love that, Jenny. Um, <laughs> um mom, 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 mom. Okay. And we got to work it out. We got to, let's just talk, th- talk it through. Cause I don't have it. Sometimes I have a definitive yes, no. Yeah. So one, congratulations for having that money saved. Um, I... Because to your point, I actually was just watching, like, reading this article, I forget where, how although people left California, a lot of people are coming back now, um, you know, Mm. post, like, you know, quarantine. So, yes, although, you know, certainly a lot of tech companies moved out, but there's still a lot of people there. So I don't know that home, people keep talking about a home, you know, home prices crashing, um, just like the Great Recession. But the truth is we have very a very different set of circumstances than we had during the Great Recession that are not, that are not, I'm not saying that there won't be a, a home correction, which is when people's houses that they bought for a lot of money, you know, go back to the price that they should have been. But I don't know that we're not, this is not what it should be. Uh, yeah. Because one, our interest rates are significantly lower than during the Great Recession. Um, and we are we don't have a bunch of people with bad loans like you did with the Great Recession. Because after the Great Recession, there was all this legislation put in place. So we're not in the same position. Um, so I don't know that... I don't know. Because part of me is like, maybe just finding... like You know how sometimes you can like... You can live in New York or you can come on over to Newark and get something more affordable. That's not too far out. That's probably where I lean into. Um, I like the idea of, you know, getting something to start. But know this, if you're going to um, qualify for an FHA loan, uh, which is a federally backed like a mortgage, you have to be a new home buyer 
um, within the, within the last three or four years. Meaning, so let's just say what you could do is say the first home I can get under my name if you can if if you're able to get a mortgage with just you. So that way you can get the because I think FHA the um, the down payment is only like three point five percent, which is a significant drop to the twenty percent that a regular traditional loan will require of you. And then maybe when you're ready. Your husband gets the next one. I don't know. Um, that's my only thing is that like if you hmm. that I don't want that, you know, if, if I was going to get my first house, I would think to myself, I would like to get a house. Maybe that is um, something with um, more than one unit so I can take advantage of the FHA loan um, and then potentially pull money out of that house to get the next one. So I'm I'm conflicted. I think homeownership is a cornerstone for wealth in the United States for the most part. I know we hear people say that that's not true, but the truth is when you shake the numbers out at the end. Oftentimes that that it just is true, um, and but at the same time I don't want you guys to like drown yourself and be house you know um, house, house poor. poor yeah yeah I think I just keep going back to the part where she says you know growing up in a black household homeownership mm-hmm. was a big symbol of security and prosperity and I'm disappointed that I've not achieved that milestone yet. Mm. Go easy on yourself. I mean, you guys have achieved a lot. You have a yes. two-year-old. You have two children, nine, two children's, two ch- two kids, ages nine and twelve, and you've managed to still build this incredible nest egg, um, this incredible amount of money that you have for your down payment, not including your emergency fund, and you've started their, you know, college savings. And it sounds like your husband's in a position to um, unlock even more wealth if his startup gets acquired. I know it's a huge if. The thing is, I think when it comes to making big personal finance decisions, at the end of the day, there's a there's a combination of the what ifs and there's a com- and there's like you have to find the the happy ground between uncertainty and the information that you have now and your your personal goals and your personal happiness. And I think at a certain point, especially buying a home is one of the most um is one of the greatest examples of this and where it can all be really difficult to to balance out because I don't think there's for a lot of people, it is the single most expensive purchase you're ever going to make. It's always going to be fraught. And I think the more educated we get about the housing market and the ups and downs of it, there is more fear. You know, am I making the right decision? Is it actually going to be a good investment? I think if you guys if you look at it as, you know, we have the information that we have today, we are going to look at, you know, look at the comps in our area and buy a reasonably priced home relative to the market that we're in. And we're not going to, you know, we're not going to cut ourselves off at the knees financially in order to afford this home just because we think we need it. But if you're doing it because you have children, you want to be, you know, in a good school district, you want this certain lifestyle, you want the stability that comes with homeownership, and you have the finances to pull it off and still have room to reach your other goals like retirement, like college savings, your emergency fund, then I feel like you have um, you have enough good information, you have enough good reasons to want to own a home. And if you have the opportunity um, and you feel like it's a good time for you guys, you have to just kind of make peace with that decision and the fact that you will not have all the information. There is no crystal ball. Um, you can make the best decision with the information you have today and then you got to just like let it go. Um, let it go and and try to be mindful of um, how to protect yourself against certain situations down the line. Like, like Tiffany said, you know, look at, uh, you just because you have 230 K for a down payment, you don't have to put all of that down. It may make you more competitive as a, as a borrower, as a buyer in your market, but you know, you don't have to put every dollar down. You can save some to have as a slush, like a, um, emergency fund for your, for just for your home itself or for those repairs or remodeling you might want to do. Um, 
But as far as your nervous having nervousness around home prices will just go up and up and up and eventually become out of our reach. I think that's a real, yeah. Um, that's a real understandable fear, um, especially in a place like San Francisco. And um, I don't think that you're cray cray at all to start looking for homes now. It's kind of like what Tiffany said about pricing out that Range Rover. Mm-hmm. Like, don't talk yourself out of it until you do the legwork. Yeah, you know, go see the homes. Are there even homes that you want to buy out there? Um, do you, does it make you excited and happy to, to look at them and do they give you, do they help you? You said that you're really happy now. Your kids are in a school, a good school and yeah, your husband has a short commute. Like those things matter. So to get what you want in a home, what are you sacrificing any of the things that already make you guys so happy? Yeah. And you really Ooh, won't that know that good. until you start looking. That was good. Was that good? <laughs> it was great. It was stupendous even. <laughs> no, you got to wrap really it up. Advice. Okay, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> no, no, no. Honestly, that was. Like, honest, I don't even have anything to add to that, honestly. Because I, to your point, I was on the fence. It's like, ooh, ah, Because ah. the truth is I've been thinking about that, Mandy. I'm like, okay, I love our house here in Newark, but I'm not going to lie. It's still Newark. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're considering moving to like a different neighborhood, you know, a different city. I know people are like, no. Um, the mayor's wife is going to be like, Tiffany, what did I tell you? You can't leave. But I would still keep this house here because sis, it's paid off. We will just rent it out. Um, but I just been struggling with like, wait, do, is the market going to drop? Should I wait? Should I not wait? Because right now it's so crazy. You know, I just been, you know, double, you know, that double Dutch entrance, like back and forth, back and forth. But yeah. you, the advice that you just gave Jennifer was really great. Like I haven't even really looked. So how do I know? You know, we might find something and we're like, oh, oh my gosh, this is really perfect. Um, because me and Superman have been really talking about that. That like, you know, they're just like, this is the best part of Newark, but still Newark be Newark in sometimes. Um, <laughs> you still got to walk around with a taser in your pocket, right? Exactly. Fend off the neighborhood dogs. <laughs> For dogs or men. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was like, so I, but I've been in that same spot where I'm like, okay, we've got the money. It actually is a really easy commute for, for Superman. Um, you know, like we're right down the street from my sister, which is great. One of my really, like my, one of my um, closest friends lives around the corner. So there's other things here that make living here so great. Um, so I don't know. I'm on the fence, you know, because I also am like, oh, price is just going to go up. So Jennifer, I'm right with you. I, I'm still on the fence. But I think the best advice that Mandy gave was just start looking. You start looking yeah. and, you know, because you might find actually these neighborhoods are not that much better or, oh my gosh, I love it here. Um, and it's worth, you know, it's worth not being as close. So, yeah, absolutely. You will not know until you start looking and you have the money in the bank to where if like you just you can be comforted knowing when you go out there, it's not like you're going to find something that you couldn't necessarily afford. Like if you find your dream home, it sounds like you guys are in a position to go there. I would just say, you know, find a realtor who keeps you within your budget because, yes. you know, you don't need to be out there looking at things you can't have. Yes. Like the first 10 minutes of uh, the, what's the, the the Property Brothers show where the first 10 <laughs> minutes they take the homeowners to the dream home and you just yes, know I that hate they that. can't afford it. It's like, why do you do this to these people? Yes, that's terrible. Anyway, yeah, but you have to, yes, price it out, walk in the home, see how it feels and be open to the idea that your family's perception of homeownership is not the holy grail of finance mm-hmm. as it may seem. And that can be okay. It can be mm-hmm. okay to rent. But if your dream is to have a home and you want that stability and you don't care about retiring in Portugal or wherever else everyone retires early and never gets a home and you know invest all their money in the market, that's not the lifestyle for you. That's fine. You do not, it's it's completely fine to just, you know, be happy, have your home and reach whatever goals you guys have. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes. Well, oh, if grown you up are decisions. <laughs> if you've got questions <laughs> like Bianca and Jenny from the block, you can ask them, sis, bruh. That sounds weird. Um, <laughs> we are here and available and open to you um, for the BAQA. We love answering your questions. When Instagram is back up, because currently right now Instagram is down, honey. It is down. Yes. Um, but when it is up, you could go to Brown Ambition Podcast. We're at Brown Ambition Podcast. You can slide into our DMs. You can send us an email at um, brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, she got it. Or you can go to brownambitionpodcast.com and click ask us anything um, and ask away. We look forward to it. Until next week. Bye, y'all. Bye. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.